Grab hold of your Bibles. We're going to go to the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. And today, my title is simple. It's very simple. I think I'm going to do more teaching today. But who knows? We might end up preaching. I want to give you four things for 2024. Four things for your 2024 that I believe you will need to focus in on. Amen. Let's pray over the word of the Lord. Father, your word is blessed. Your word is life. And I just pray that as I uh, deliver what you've given to me, that you would cause it to fall on good ground and transform the lives of the people in this room today. Cause them to be ever changed and, and to grow in grace. For today, we did not come to church to play church, but we came to receive from you. Father, oftentimes when the word is preached, we get inspired or we like the cliches or we like the nice sayings, but the power of the word is in the application of it. And if we never see it as something that is speaking to us, then we might never apply it to us. So I just pray today that as I deliver what you've given me that every heart in here would be very attentive. Listening not for my voice, but the voice of the Lord speaking personally to every life on this first Sunday of a new year. For ahead of us, we know not what lies, but we know that you know all things. And so, Father God, I just ask today that you would Prepare our hearts and minds to receive the word of the Lord that it may find root and bring forth fruit in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Say, this word is for me. Not you, but me. He's talking to me. See, some of y'all already disobeyed. I heard somebody said us. I said for me. Come on, let's try it again until you become obedient. Say, this word is for me, not you, me. He's talking to me. Amen. Hallelujah. Oftentimes we come to church and we, we miss the word of the Lord because we don't think that the Lord is speaking directly to us. I remember in 2019 as we turned a new year, uh, preaching in the in the New Year's service and preaching in the first Sunday and just just having a feeling that you know the year is going to be different and little did we know that we were going to be shut down by the month of March for the next two years two and a half and so I'm not saying that's ahead of us but you never know what a year holds and so it is very important that you start off the year seeking God. It is not only important that you start off the year seeking God, it's important that you continue the rest of the year staying close to God. Because it, how you start matters, but how you do in the middle matters too. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Imagine being married and the marriage. How many know the marriage always starts great? Come on, I went to some elaborate marriages in my lifetime. I've seen people come up in smoke machines. And not, not like the smoke machines. We, our smoke machine fly all over. I'm talking about the smoke would fall on the ground. And 
stay floating on the ground alone. You ever seen those? You're like, how do you do that? And just poured out the machine and they come out the ground and the music is playing and, and everybody got to clap for them. They got married. Hallelujah. Come on. But who cares about the beginning if midway of the marriage, y'all telling each other off, don't talk to each other. I ain't touching a nerve, right? I can't stand you. I need therapy. The middle matters because the middle is going to tell you where, where you're going to end. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Maybe I should do a marriage sermon today. Amen. And so it matters all year long that you stay close to God. Come on, somebody say, I am going to give God the best of me and not the rest of me. Come on, I'm going to give God. Don't lie now. The best of me and not the rest of me. Amen. Hallelujah. There are many things that affect your life. I just want to give you four today. Amen. The first one is that you must pay attention to in 2024 is your relationship with God. Amen, somebody. There are many relationships that you have in life. Amen. You have friends. You have, some of you are married. You have a spouse. You have children. You have co-workers. You have so many relationships and you pour into those relationships. And every relationship that you have, uh, they can sometimes benefit and sometimes they can drain. For some of us, some of our relationships drain us more than they help us. Amen. Depending on the position you are in life, you might find yourself that the Lord is... Because the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. And when I say drain you, I just don't mean only in a negative sense. Sometimes God elevates some of your lives that you find yourself pouring out more into relationships in order to help somebody. And you don't normally receive back as much. I want you to know that there is one relationship. That when you make it your priority, unlike every other relationship that takes from you, you do nothing but receive from this relationship. And that is the relationship with God. Here's my first point. When you prioritize your relationship with God, you receive more than you will ever give. So all year long, you're like an iPhone. You're like a, a Samsung. Y'all still using those. Amen. Uh, you're, you're like an iPhone, right? And as you go along the day, you know the iPhones always come out every September and say, this year we promise you a battery life that will run two days strong. You will never lose battery in this phone. I want you to know life is like that. You will get drained as you keep living. Things will happen and you need a source that you can plug into. That's what happens when you plug into God. In the book of Matthew chapter 7 verse 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So, so, so the Bible says, the man who hears the words 
and not only hears them, but lives them is like a man who builds his house on a rock. And watch this part. And if the rain came, y'all are amen in it too. I didn't, I didn't misquoted the Bible like amen. Come on. If the rain came. No, that's not what it says. The rain did what? The rain did what? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not the preacher on your television set who's going to tell you that it's going to be all sunshine this year. At some point, rain is coming. Thank God for rain. Little Silas told me one day when it was raining in New York, I started tripping out. The streets were flooded. I was complaining. He quietly in the back, he just simply said, well, at least the food, the, the trees are getting fed today. It all depends on how you view the rain, right? The Bible says the rain came down. Some stuff fall from the top and some stuff rise from the bottom. The streams rose and then the winds blew and beat against the house. There are things this year that's going to feel like, it's going, like you are receiving a beat down. Not just any beat down. A New York City jumped in the hallways high school. Come on. Where my New Yorkers at? Y'all either jumped or been jumped, but I don't like that yay on that. There are things this year that's going to hit. There are things that's going to hit you this year that's going to feel like something just punched the life out of me. Life has a way of knocking the wind out of you. That makes, you, you, you know, you, you ever been knocked by life? So you don't want to talk to nobody? You, you, I equate it to like really being hit. Yesterday I was hanging with Shy, right? We, we took them out and we went to a place and he, he was playing on this thing in the place where he, he was supposed to hold on and slide down. But Shy just got a revelation that he's just going to let go from like 10 feet. And somehow still slide down. And when he let go, his whole body just, gravity took hold of him. His face banged the pole and he came down. And like a father, you know, I went over to see if he's all right. But you know when you hurt, you don't want to hear nothing. <laughs> Shy done banged his mouth and I'm like, Shy, you know, you should have held on. And what should have happened was and Shy's on some, would you just, my mouth, like now ain't the time to teach, Pop. I'm hurt. What's true for the physical is true for the natural. It is true for your, your spirit man, your soul man. There are things in this life that will beat you down. The Bible is saying that. But, the, but, but look what happens. The Bible says the rain came, the, stre the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet... Why? Because this man did what Jesus said. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. I want you to know you need to prioritize your relationship with God. It will be your foundation. It will be your anchor. It will be the thing that keeps you this year. 
Second, here's another reason why your relationship with God matters. Because your God view will always affect your worldview. Your God view will always affect your worldview. What is a worldview? A worldview reverts to the frameworks of beliefs and the, and the, and the way we uh, relate to the world. We view the world through lens. How many of you know that whether you know it or not, you're viewing the world through a lens? Come on. You're viewing the world through traumatic lens, through trials, through everything that has happened to you. And you have a belief system in your head whether you know it or not. Some of us have biblical belief systems that, and, and when you have a belief system, you have to continue to fight to renew your mind daily. Because the, the, the systems that you set up in your own mind, they're so strong. You know, if you're a person who's got a victim mentality, it's going, it's going to be hard to break that. You're going to, everywhere you go, somebody's against you. If you walk into a room full of happy people, it's only but so long before you start saying, you see the way they smiled at me? What do you mean? That's how they smile. All the, nah, the way, he smiled funny with me, though. Everybody is viewing life through some type of system in their mind. That no matter what happens in your life, it, it is the system that really is the problem. And if the system don't change, you won't change. Because no matter what, no matter how many, there might be people in this room, no matter how many people try to love you and people try to befriend you, you could never receive it because you've already made up in your mind, this is how people are. This is what people are. This is what life is. Some people will never move forward in life because of their, their thinking. You'll never prosper in your finances because of how you think. My family, we come from nothing and we'll never, how could I ever, how could you ever what? If you don't change your thinking. And so a worldview is a way of viewing life through whatever lens. And I want you to know that if you, if your understanding of God has an impact on the way you perceive and make sense of life. Your understanding of God will affect how you view society. Your understanding of God will affect your ethics. Come on, hallelujah. How many of you know that it's good to have good ethics? What's ethics, pastor? Hallelujah. It is the way in which you conduct and behave and carry yourself. How many of you know it is good to have good manners? Hallelujah. Good moral values and a sense of purpose. All of that come from God and knowing God. When a man doesn't know God, all of that is, is, is he can make it up. So at any minute, he can change his value system. But when you have a sense of who God is, he holds you to a standard. C.S. Lewis said this, hallelujah. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Did y'all get that? I'll say it slow again. He said, I believe in Christianity the same as I believe that the sun rises. Not only because I can see the sun rising, but by the sun rising, I am now able to see everything else. How many of you know when God is priority in your life, 
you are able to see everything else clearer. Come on, somebody. Come on. You're able to really see what's going on in your marriage. Now you're able to really pray for your wife correctly. Amen. Too early in the year to start that. You're able to see what's going on in, 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 in society. You, you're able to see what's really happening in, in the bigger scheme of things. This is a political year, y'all. Every year is a political year in America. How many know it's going to get dangerous in these political streets in a minute? Starting to get dangerous, amen. It's going to be more dangerous. Let's hope that, you know, that we make it out alive. Oh, y'all act like you don't live in America. Amen. But the gospel sheds light on even our political structure. The gospel sheds light on marriage. The gospel sheds light on money. The gospel sheds light on everything that will affect you. If the gospel sheds light on everything that will affect me, then it must be the most important thing in my life. Amen? Amen. There is no such thing as peace and purpose and happiness apart from God. The second thing is not just your relationship with God, but your relationship with people. How many of you know that this year you're going to have to deal with people? I forgot who came around me one day and I asked them, I said, how you doing? They said, I'm all right. I said, what's wrong? They said, people are too people-y. And I knew exactly what they meant. Come on, how many know people are peopley? What do you mean by that, Pastor? You cannot avoid them. They're everywhere. They're on the train. They're in the plane. They're in the highways and the byways. Wherever you go, guess who's there waiting for you? People. When you were born, you thought you were going to come into a quiet world. Guess who was waiting for you? The minute you born, these people were peopling. There is no way you can go about living and avoiding people. Some of us try to live in isolation. But how many of you know that God never meant for you to live isolated? In our minds, we think, if you leave me alone, I'll be good by myself. Just me, get money, drink water, die. Come on. I heard a, 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 there's a song out there, a song that says drink water and y'all going straight to, you know what y'all do on Labor Day. They shout it out like they ready, like sing that one for praise and worship. Bring that one there for praise and worship. I ain't none of my business. I wish life worked like that, but you are going to have to deal with people. Especially if you got, you went and got married to one. What were you thinking? You went and got married to one of these people. And then when they started peopling, you were surprised. And you peopled back, I like that. When they peopled, you peopled back. 
How many of you know that you're going to have to deal with people in your life? You know, it's interesting. My plants come to my house to die. They do. They do. They absolutely, anybody would, and, and no matter how much times I say that, Romel, this church will buy a plant for my wife. And they always come and say, this one will live. And I walk away and say, no, it will not. They come to my house to die. I can give you many reasons why. <clears throat> the main one is Sherry Ann. <laughs> but there are some plants that were given to us that, you know, I learned a little bit about. That they give it to you in a plant pot. But it's not supposed to stay in the pot. That after it grows to a certain level, it's supposed to be put out there with the rest in the ground where people are, where plants are. If you keep it in the plant pot, it'll stunt its growth. Many believers are trying to be like that. You're trying to grow in life. But because you're scared to go out and deal with people where growth occurs, where network is made, where connections are made, where you are challenged, where you break free from the norm of... That's, you know, in New York City, for many of us who grew up in here, all we know, is like a minute ago when I told you about New York school systems and all that, those of us who grew up here, it's only by the grace of God we that we're allowed to experience that life is not all there is in New York. And when you begin to see there's other people living a different life, whenever New York goes anyplace else, they just think we automatically aggressive. What's normal to us is violent to other people. Come, Y'all know what I'm talking about. I never believed that. I thought it was cool the way we were until like everybody was like, oh my gosh, you brought such an aggressive pastor. Because we get them be like, yo, Jesus is Lord. Y'all don't love Jesus. They're like, I don't know whether to praise him or get shot. But when you grow up in an environment that you don't ever go into another one to challenge, you think it's normal when you pull up a car to just grill the dude next to you. We're going to have a grill off and you just praying he don't reach over because you reach over you like, mm. like, oh, he got something in there. Come on. You think you, there's a lot of things. But the point I'm trying to make is that if you stay around the same circle all the time, your thinking won't change. And I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you like those other preachers, if you're the smartest one in the room, leave the room and never come back. No, come back to the room and help the room elevate. Preacher, if you're smart, one in the room, it's time for you to leave the room. And when you go in their room, they're going to leave. Because you wouldn't be the amen, hallelujah. Preachers say a lot of funny stuff on TV that just gets reposted. Don't make no sense to me. My algorithm don't work for me. I stop. I quit. You're going to have to deal with people. Look at what the Bible says about people, y'all. Look. In the book of Proverbs, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born from adversity. 
You're going to need friends in your life. You're going to need community because when those storms hit, isolation is a sure way to die. When storms hit and you are... Natural storms, when they hit, the last thing you want to do is be that guy. Like, I live by the water, and if ever they announce evacuate, I'm out. I know there's a few folks around there who's like, I've been here all my life, man. If You know, where we going? Where we going to go? I'm like, out of here. The people who decide to isolate and stay by themselves when the storm comes, those are the ones that you usually have to send rescue boats after. While the other people are chilling, waiting on a government check. Hallelujah. Come on, talk to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to rebuild the whole house. Hallelujah. Y'all know what I'm saying? It's the people who choose to be by themselves when storm hits. If you ever notice how Goliath, Goliath had a strange strategy. He had a whole army, but yet said, I want to fight your best in isolation. And they fell for it too, because if I was the children of Israel, I'd be like, man, ain't none of us could beat him alone. Thank God God sent David. But my strategy would have been like, I'm not fighting. Like, I'd probably have to send like, range, go see, if he, see how that work out. But the truth is, if there's a bully outside and, and we can't beat him one-on-one, guess what our best option is? Jump them together. And nobody in the children of Israel camp said, you know what we're going to do when he ain't looking? Let, let's jump, let's, let's take him to Hillcrest High School in the hallway one time. You know what I'm saying? Pull a hood over his head. I never did none of that. I never did none of that. Get your Tims in there and then there's always a girl. Like, sis, you don't even belong in this fight. I am New York to the core. So New York. You understand what I'm saying? You, 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 I was making a point about something isolation he said come fight me alone and that's where they all cowered because when they when they have to do it alone then you see how big the giant is and you say well David fought him alone that's where you're wrong David said you come to fight with sword but I come I got somebody with me in the fight But it's not meant for you to do life alone. When you have storms, you will find brothers and sisters born out of those storms. Second Corinthians, we always quote it only in marriage and dating. Look at what it says. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what friendship has light with darkness? Now we always quote that with, with, with just getting married folks. But that ain't only for, for marriage. Be careful. The people that you choose to let into your deep places in your life. Because if you give unbelievers the platform in your life to speak into your life, don't be surprised when your system changes. If your best friend don't know Jesus... This always happens. People whose closest friends are from other religions, their only relationship with me is how do I answer their religion? I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. 
First Peter 4, 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of, sometimes you're going to fall in life. You need people to pick you up when you hit rock bottom. When you, when you fail in your sin, hallelujah, you need somebody who says there's a God that can forgive you and help you become restored. Somebody asked me the other day, somebody said, Pastor, do you think you really need church to go to heaven? I said, you think you're so deep, huh? I said, You've made church an issue of heaven or hell because there's people that's coming to church that's going to go to hell. Coming to church does not make you a Christian more than being in a garage makes you a car. Come on, when you go home, try it. Stand in your garage and be like, I'm a car. I'm a Mitsubishi. <laughs> I don't know why I picked that car. <laughs> coming to church don't make you a Christian. The issue of church is not heaven or hell. The issue of community is growing and developing these Christian characters because you cannot develop them in isolation. So you don't come to church just to go to heaven. You come to church to live out the Bible. And you can't do that alone. Y'all ain't hearing me. And, and the Bible says here that love covers a multitude of sin. When you sin and you mess up in life, you won't want people who are going to put you down. You want people who will restore you. That happens in the body of Christ. Here's, a, here's another point with relationships with people that I want to say. You were not meant, hallelujah, to live in isolation. I said that already. And here's the other one. Man, this ring is killing me. I've been trying for like a half hour. Just kill the monitors if that's it. Hallelujah. Uh, here's, amen. Hallelujah. You were not meant to experience relationships through a screen. And let me help you out now. So you weren't meant to live life and experience your friendship and your growth through Instagram. Through Facebook. Through TikTok. And some of you are like, I don't have any of those three, so I'm good. YouTube Reels. And for the older folks from the Caribbean, I know that's young people think, what's up? <laughs> Some reason they think because the videos are sent to them on WhatsApp, they're not socializing and living life through there. Some of these old school folks with WhatsApp, they finger five. You see this? You were not meant to experience life through a screen. The screen gives the illusion that you're still somehow living among people, but you're not. You are constantly seeing people's past. First of all, you're watching people's past all the time. Second of all, there's so much mind control. Like never before, there's so many things happening in this world and all people want to talk to me about is Cat Williams. I don't care. I don't care about none of like none of that stuff has any effect on my current situation. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing to me because y'all you that's what the screen do to you. The screen make you 
Like you broke and you got nothing going on. But you could tell me everything in pop culture. Bro, take the garbage out in your house. Start there. This message is about to go a whole nother way. Bring me, somebody pray for me right now. I don't care. I don't care. We, we, you got to understand these screens are distraction from real issues. People walk around like what he said was the most important thing of our lifetime. Let pop culture deal with pop culture. Don't get distracted by screens. Come on, somebody. Look, look, you weren't meant to live your life and experience life through screens. The more increased time you are on a screen, watch this, is the more chances you have of developing low self-esteem. Keep that in mind. Here's what's funny. That happens to people with businesses. People be sitting there with money feeling depressed. People be sitting there with like family like kids running around in the room, wife over there and everything, and you sad because of a post. Hallelujah. Next time you in the house, this is couples. Couples in the house, they're like this. They come home. They're in the... They... Holy Spirit done moved in that section real quick. <laughs> Hallelujah. We got to get a bigger building so I don't hear y'all. You know, yeah. put the congregation far so I can just ignore and move on. Hallelujah. Couples come home and they, first of all, you watch TV, then you turn the TV off, then you go on the phone, and the two of you are right in the same bed. Husbands, you want your wife attention? Take a screenshot of yourself and just text it to her. <laughs> Take a fly one too. It's almost like that's how you got to communicate in your own house. These screens, you increase your chances of becoming depressed way more if you keep living on them. Not only that, if you live your life on these screens, you lose time. Time you will never get back. Hallelujah. And all you're doing is watching the past. Except for when somebody go live. <laughs> then you're watching the present. And whenever they go live, they always, come on in. Come on. Who are you talking to? Act like this ain't like the world is to come on in, come on in the live. I got something to say. Come on in. Come I'm only here because it popped up by accident on my phone and I was clicking another button and your live popped up. I ain't coming on in. As soon as they see a name and they want to recognize you, oh we got brother Rich here, brother Rich here, thank you. I'm watching your live. This this going another way. We good? Come on in. Come on in. What are you talking about? Come on in. Y'all will never look at them dudes the same now. Every time they're logging, you be like, who are you talking to, bro? 
You lose time that you will never get back. Here's the other thing. The screen is not reality. And at the end of it all, you can end up feeling more empty. We have more people depressed in this generation than any other generation. There is no accident or no, I believe it's a direct correlation to the fact that we are not living in the order that God designed us to live in. Kids are supposed to go out and play. Took my two boys to the, 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 the playground. I'm like, go play. They'd be looking at you like, how? <laughs> what is play? These dudes play soccer, and they love soccer. I ain't going to be too hard on them, but yesterday we went to a place, and there's a whole bunch of stuff to do, and there's one little video game where you play virtual soccer. Guess with all of the stuff that you could do in there where they wanted to go. Let's go act like we're playing soccer. Like, go play. Y'all remember that? When you had to, from a young age, deal with real issues. When you fell down and you were on the playground and people were mean and you had to figure life out. Nowadays they grow up in the house on the phone and all mommy said, you're so precious, you're, so, you're the best thing in the world. You're the best thing. So for five years they hear you're the best thing in the world on the screen. Mommy loves me. <laughs> then they go to school and homeboy who grew up and he ain't never had an iPad. <laughs> he in first grade with your, your precious kid that you love and your kid coming he said what's wrong with your nose you ugly and your son is like oh, I've been told all my life I'm the best thing people going people Here's a point I want to make, y'all. Here's a point I want to make. Your relationship skills will dramatically improve your quality of living. The number one thing that is a problem in all of our, in our, our relationship is communication. There's always one lady present in communication. Y'all ever met her? Miscommunication. I don't like her. She come around, she destroy everything. Your relationships, your marriage is probably struggling because of your relationship skills. Amen, somebody. I know that's for me, you know, they say three things affect a marriage, right? The intimacy, the finances, and communication. But I always find that you can fix the intimacy and you can fix the money. But if you don't talk, you can't fix the other two at all. That communication goes a long way. If we, you know, some of us, we don't know how to, you talk from anger. And I realized that about me. I realized that, you know, I'm somebody who... I don't feel the way I sound. Sometimes you got to be aware of how you sound. How many of you don't feel the way you sound? Amen. If you ever find yourself saying, have you ever find yourself saying, I know I said, but that's not what I meant. You have, and, and people just don't understand. 
I'm not on your side. You're wrong. You're dead wrong. Because people can only function with what you sound like, not what you meant. Y'all thought I was going to, she said, I didn't mean that. Because that's how I used to be. I used to be like, why is she tripping? I try to tell her, I know how I said it, but that's not what I meant. I'm trying to explain to you what I really meant. But I can only deal with what you did. You can't, you can't push the table down and say what I meant was I was angry. You broke the table. And right now, we are dealing with your anger. We dealing with, we still got to pay that off. We got that on credit. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I am not dealing. You know what the first rule of communication that they taught me in speech 101? Professor got up there, he said, first rule, speech 101. Say what you mean and mean what you say. And I'm so grateful that Sister Sherry and I were in Speech 101 together. <laughs> so every time we argue, she uses it on me a lot. Hallelujah. <laughs> Communication. Your marriage is probably struggling because you think you sound a way. And I had to deal with that, y'all. I had to realize that I do not sound how I think I'm sounding. The great thing about being a preacher now on camera is that you get to look back at yourself. So I watch myself, how I, how I speak and stuff, and I'm like, wow, that did not look how I was feeling it when I was preaching it. And what's true for just talking on a camera is true for real life. You talking to somebody, people are reading signals, people are reading your body language, all types of stuff. And so don't, it, the minute you see miscommunication happening, fix it. Because if, if it's truly not what you meant in your heart, fix it. So, for example, if somebody, you know, I might be talking to Valerie one Sunday. Valerie, hey, I ain't seen you in a long time. What's good, my sis? And Sister Stacy come up to me and she says, hi. And Sister Val asks me something deep. She's like, Pastor, my, my family member this. And in that moment, I'm like, oh, hi, Stace. And Stace is like, exactly. <laughs> I guess he must think. Now, I mean, she's absolutely dead wrong for thinking that, but, <laughs> but once I find that out and I realize, man, in that moment, I might have gave off the wrong perception. I want you to know if how you feeling, that's not what it, what it is. Now, once I did that and you still want to hold it, now you got a system set up because watch this now. There's some people, no matter what you do, no matter what, you could be like, hey, Romeo. Seen a long time. Take my wallet. Be like he don't like me. He only gave me his wallet. Should have gave me his shoes. There are some people. No matter what you do, you will never please them. You know what you do to those people? Kick rocks. Cause you don't spend your life trying to make nobody love you. Hallelujah. You got to love me. All my life I had to fight. <laughs> Amen, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Your relationship skills will dramatically improve your quality of living. You'll have much more joy. Look at what the Bible says. My dear brothers and sisters, in James 1.19. And I, I like how James says it, my dear brothers and sisters, because there's two young men get up here every week, and when they give the announcement, they think this scripture, because the women are reading this book, only applies to the women. But notice how James starts it. My dear brothers. My dear Say it loud, my dear, Brothers. and take note of this, everyone should be, what else, and how many of you already failed that? How many of you are the opposite of the scripture? I am quick to be angry, fast to speak, and then I listen. You can't say amen, say ouch. A lot of ouches in that section. Here's another thing while I'm dealing with relationships. When people come tell you something about somebody else, tell them I'm going to tell the person you're telling me. If you don't do that, it's because you like hearing junk. Some people like hearing junk. I... I don't, people don't tell me nothing about nobody because when I'm, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. If you tell me something about somebody, I'm going to tell you, if I know them, I'm going to go tell them what you said. Because you're not going to tell me junk about somebody, change my, my perception of them. Let me tell you, a lie can destroy somebody's whole character. And you see it. We live in a time where stuff don't even got to be proven. And cats run with it like this is proven and destroy people's lives. Let me tell you something. When you say something about somebody, you damage their life. There was a story of a lady who used to talk bad about a pastor all the time. And as a result of her bad talking, the pastor always got a negative word for the pastor. Pastor church ended up empty. He only got a few faithful people. Years later, she repented, and the Lord dealt with her and showed her her wrongs. And she had a come-to-Jesus moment. She decided she's going to find a pastor and apologize. Good thing, right? She went to the pastor, and she said, I'm sorry, man of God, for lying on you and saying all this about you. And, and he said, Come. Took a bag of feathers, huge bag of feathers, and he waited till the wind was blowing on the beach, and he let all the feathers go into the air, and the wind took it everywhere, some out to the ocean, some way down, some all over, and she's standing there wanting to know what's the point of this exercise. He said, go get every feather. She said, that's impossible. I don't know where they went. She said, and when you tell lies about me, you don't know where they go. And it's impossible now, even though you're apologizing for me to go find every place that you already left the damage. And when you talk about, when people, people will come and drop stuff off. I'm telling you, I'm the type of person. I'll be like, yo, you tell me. I'm Romel, is this not facts? I would tell you, yo, I'm going to tell that man everything you said. And people start humming a humming. 
You know what humming and humming is, right? A humming, uh, 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 what, what I was going to say was, because I don't want, I, I don't want, this, I'm not a junkyard, don't drop your junk off on me. And I'm not somebody who, I want to live at peace with people. I don't want to walk around feeling people hate me. I don't want to, if somebody hate me, I want to know, yo, you hate me? Why you hate me, bro? I'm a nice guy. You hate me? All right, then let's never be friends again. Because you hate me. We cool. I'd like to know that in advance. Amen. Amen. Be slow to anger. Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be gracious. Come on, ladies. Come on, fellas. Oh, the fellas are much louder for the gracious speech. Where the ladies at? Ladies, let your speech be gracious. I'm not going to move from here. Come on, ladies, let your speech be gracious. Come on, tell that man, honey, I love you. You're the best thing in the world. Come on, how many of you know? Let your speech be gracious. When you talk to people, talk. My wife always tells me, you, you catch more flies with honey. I don't, don't want to catch flies. Bees or whatever. Flies. Whatever. You get the point. You can't keep tricking people. That's what George Bush said. Fool me once, shame on you. You just can't keep fooling people. <laughs> you just going to walk out in the middle of the sermon, huh? <laughs> Let your speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up. As it is fit, as it fits the occasion, that it may be grace to those who hear or listen. Proverbs eighteen thirteen. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is a folly and a shame. Y'all ain't even here, and you already, I already know. No, you don't. Proverbs eighteen two. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding. But only in expressing his opinion. Come on, married people. Come on. We know we argue to, to jump in. You, you done? You take no time to understand. You just want to tell your side. Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turn away his wrath. But a harsh word steers up anger. Come on, somebody. Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Proverbs 10, 19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. Tell your neighbor, don't talk too much. You're guaranteed to sin. When you talk a lot, you're going to say something that you ain't supposed to say. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Psalms 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth 
and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Two more things and I'm done. The third thing that's going, that you got to watch out for is your health. Somebody said your health is your wealth. Your body is a gift from God. Treat it good and you will reap the benefits. Somebody said you don't know how good your health is until you become sick. It is better to maintain your car then have to repair it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. Change the brake pad, bro. Or else you're going to have to now get a rotor. <laughs> Amen. If you don't maintain your body, you might be spending a lot of your life trying to repair it. I ain't getting a lot of amens. Because they like, Pastor, not on the day we stop in the fast. Preach that any other day, but not the day we about to break the fast. Do not give God a reason to have to give you a miracle. Cholesterol is not a demon. You know, we Guyanese, so we grew up around Caribbean church. I remember one time there was a prayer breakfast, and they asked the brother to pray over the breakfast, and the brother said, Lord, bless every one of these bicks. If you don't know... <laughs> Caribbean people, y'all with me. Bakes is like, man, figure the thing out. It's a little sweet bread, like a little cake, you know? But it's put starfish in it. Um, he said, bless every one of these bakes. Bless the starfish. And Lord, we bind the sugar demon. And we Bind the cholesterol demon. And we bind these demons. So as a believer, I said, he a brother in the faith. I like the way he prayed. He prayed very so. Now when I go to Popeye's, I say, Lord, I bind the oil in this Popeye's chicken. I rebuke this oil. This oil shall have no effect on my arteries. You know how ignorant we are sometimes? Weight loss is not done in the gym. <laughs> he got deep, deep. It's done in the mind first, Pastor Rich. It's in the mind first.
Here's another point. It is good to have a desire to be healthy in order to serve. I'm so grateful that at age 40 million years old, <laughs> I feel like I'm so old, amen, but I'm not, that when my boys play soccer, I can run up the field with them and wash them a little bit. Such a joy if me and Sevy hit the basketball court, you know what I'm saying? I look like I could do something there for a minute, right? Stacy, why are you laughing at me, man? You know what Brother Stacy did to me, bro? I'm going to tell y'all what he did to me. He put my water high, high in the office. I was looking for my water. I'm like, he said, it's up here. It's up. How you do that to me, man? See, coming today, he said, your water over here, Pastor. I ain't trying to make. I just thought of basketball, you know what I'm saying, when we did that. I want to be able to serve my family. I, wanna, I still want to be able to do things with my wife. What happens when you're young and you get married and you, you get children, you think, okay, one day they're going to grow up and get my life back, but you never calculated health. You think when they get older and they're gone, I'm going to be chilling. No, you're not. If you keep eating the way you're eating, they're going to be gone and looking to put you in a nursing home. I want when they decide to leave, I got a lot of energy left. Then when you go, you go. You're gone. I want to live as long. I want to be able to serve. I want to be able to come. And when we do trunk or treat, I want to be live on the block. I want to be everything God has given me to do. I don't want to retire myself earlier than I need to. The world got retirement. The kingdom has no retirement. There's always something for you to do. Come on, Mama Ishmael got up here the other day. She said, I, still, I might need a chair, and she's still preaching. And then at the end, I could see her. She was trying to hoop a little bit. She stood up. Come on, give God a praise. Come on, at every age, there's no retirement. You are able to serve the world better. Look at the world we live in, y'all. This is not political. But you, gotta, you just got to take a step back and see two of the oldest people in the world fighting to lead the world. This ain't two young dudes. This is two of the oldest dudes busting a gun at each other. One could hardly put the center. He on the... And the other... <laughs> And they and they and they going at it, dude. And you gotta give some credit. These dudes are like, yo, I'm you. I'm gonna stop until I'm in the grave. And we got people who are twenty and thirty and talk about if I only had more time in the day. Our president is eighty something. He up there. I don't even know how old he is. <laughs> Come on. Why are you retiring your own body? You got a lot more God want to do when you watch your health. 
Because everything you working so hard, don't, don't be so hard working at work. This is the trick of the enemy. Get this money. Go out, work, 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 work. Uh, you, you busy, busy. Just grab something to eat. And you're not watching what you're eating, so you eat anything. And so when you finally get the money at the point in your life, now you're taking the money to fix your health? Come on, we're going to lose some weight this year. Come on, we're going to lose some weight this year. We're going to be energetic this year. Our blood pressure going down this year. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. One, two, three, start. Come on, amen. That's what I'm talking about. We're not going to have high blood pressure this year. We gonna even the doctor might even have to look and be like, I gotta take you off the blood pressure medicine. You've been doing good. Y'all gonna do this for real? Man's like, right now, I'm not gonna eat for like six months. All vegetables in my crib. Hallelujah. Third John 1, 2. Beloved, I pray that all of you, that, that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. And that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. Amen. Watch your stress level. Proverbs 17, 22. This week... So many attacks came against me, and every time they came against me, the Spirit of the Lord just said one thing, live as though it's not going to happen. And I just went on like, like but I just told you, I, I heard what you said, but I'm currently playing this video game with my son. I don't have time to express anxiety. Because we don't know if what you're saying is going to happen. So why should I live as though it's happened? You know how many times we live as though things happen and they never did? You lost, you, you were worried for that whole month for no reason. Any, any bad news you hear, just tell yourself, no, nah, it's not going to happen. If it do happen, just prepare for it. The Lord is going to take you through it. But don't live in the what ifs, y'all. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 17, 22 about stress, because th that's the funniest thing, right? As soon as you go to the doctor, the first thing they ask you now is, are you under stress? It's like, bro, check my temperature or something. <laughs> Look at this. A joyful heart is good. Watch stuff on the TV now that's not just good. Don't be sitting there like, <sighs> I'm so mad at the news. Or mad at this show. Watch something that's going to make you laugh. Don't watch gossip all the time. When you start getting up in that. Who said what? Who said? I got to find out what he said about this one. And this. We live in a, such a gossipy pop culture. These dudes are soft, man. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. 
That's what stress does. Amen. 1 Corinthians 6.19. I promise y'all I'm done. I got one more point. Well, maybe two. First Corinthians 6.19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God with your spirit. With what? With your bodies. Not just your spirit. Put 20 up too. It's right after 19. <laughs> you were bought with a price. So honor God with your, with your what? Come on, somebody. And lastly, the one thing that will affect you this year, drum roll, your money, your finances. Your relationship with God, your relationship with people, your health, and your money. your money. Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Do not get into debt. So what you Don't even tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Let me just get through this sermon. If you are in debt, your number one concern right now is to get out. You get out of debt. Come on, somebody. Don't go make that purchase without thinking it through. Luke 14, 28 says, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Why did you buy them shoes? What happened on social media that just made you decide, we just got to live, I'm going to take this credit card and pay for this vacation? Vacation gone and you still paying for it. Come on, somebody. The, 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 the pina colada done drank and walked through your body and all of that already? And you still paying for that pina colada with interest. Why are you eating out five days a week? Do you know you probably spent, not nobody here, I'm talking to the other, I'm talking to the online folks. Do you know you probably spent more than five, six hundred dollars this month on food that you bought outside? Why you ain't cooking? Now I'm, I'm not, if you got it like that, do you? But I'm talking to those who got $20,000 in debt. And you talk about give me a large oxtail every day. <laughs> Come on. Who am I talking to? 
And make sure you put the gravy sauce on the rice. And the reason I know that, guilty. If you are in debt, you want to get out of debt. The Bible says that the, the, the borrower is slave. You know how many people are going to work every day to pay for their past living? They're not paying for their future living. They're not securing the children. They're not leaving inheritance. They're paying for their past. And it's not like they're paying for, a, 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 I can understand a mortgage, but most of the things we pay for are not assets. They are liabilities. This, this, this is the business talk now. Come on. Come on. One of the best decisions I ever made was the first chance I get to not rent and own a house. That's a Stop being a renter this year. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to get out. Find a mortgage guy and be like, hey, man, make it work. There is a dude who will make it work out there. You know how many people don't know their numbers? The first rule in business when you watch any of these businessmen on these shows, when they, y'all remember that show, The Prophet? Okay. Y'all remember Housewives of, never mind. <laughs> it was a business show where this man used to just come in and analyze people's business and see why they're failing. And the first thing he would ask them is, what are your numbers? How much do you make? How much are you spending? And that would always be the biggest indication of why that business is failing because the, the CEO does not know his numbers. What is true for a business is true for your house. You got to know what's coming in and what's going out. Hallelujah. If you making $10... You can't spend 50. That means you're in $40 debt. Y'all ain't saying, I'm just, you know. My last point, I promise you it is. I got you, Gage, I got you. Saving is putting off for tomorrow while debt is living in the past. You're not even living in the future yet because you paying off, paying off, paying off, paying off, paying off, paying off. Now, I could preach a whole sermon on money here, but you got to learn how finances work. You can't be in rebellion to finances. You got to learn how money works. You're a young family. Learn how money works. Come on, somebody. Before you make big purchases, do your homework. Come on, somebody. You a young person, you, you, you in an apartment right now, don't let the enemy tell you you can't get a house. The enemy tried to tell me that. I, I was 24, tomorrow my son turns 24 years old. I was his age. When I walked into a real estate office, because my wife was telling me, I said, you know how old I was when I was pregnant? I said, I think you were around 21. She said, that's one year older than Savannah. I said, what in the world were we thinking? Because I can't even imagine that for them now. 
I said, we were that young. And we didn't have much. He had nothing. And I walked into a real estate office. The guy looked at me and said he looked like a renter. Who, who are you talking to, bro? I said, well, renter? What, what, what does a renter look like? How do you look at me? And tell me I'm a renter? I ain't had nothing, but that was enough fuel for my fire. I told Sister Sherry, I said, call every real estate agent, look for every house, and whatever number they say they need, tell them we got it. I wasn't lying. I was faithing. <laughs> and when we found our first house in Cambria Heights, we had no idea where we were going to get the money from. You know they want 20%, this, that, that. Some reason that whoever was selling the house didn't even care about how high our down payment was. We put down whatever we want. I mean, Y'all don't. Sometimes my new house is a miracle too. I was looking for because when when Sherry came and told me she was pregnant again, I said, "How could this be?" And we outgrew the Cambria Heights house. It was, you know. We were all like this now in there because it was small. It was mad children. I, you, you, I got mad kids, yo. I just, you know, in life I feel like it was mad children. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like a lot of them. So you want room. You want to spread out. Like put one over there. Put another one over there. When they together, it's like, ah! So we needed, we needed a house. And I was looking for three years, and every house I get, I couldn't afford, I couldn't afford, I couldn't afford. I was, it was so bad for me at this point, Stacy. I was just going to see people's house. <laughs> I promise you, I was, I was like, yeah, that's a nice house. You know you can't afford that. I know, but I just want to see it, though. <laughs> Yo, I want to see your house. I was just going to go see people's house. I was one of them weirdos. <laughs> so the house I'm in was one of those houses. I said... I like that house. Sister Sherry said, this ain't even a house we came on a block to see. We can't even afford the one we came to see. I said, but I like that one. Let's call and see if he there. Called the man, said, I'm here now. I'm, I'm the agent and I'm here now. Come see it. I said, I bet. We around the block. Pulled up. Walked. This is a beautiful house. Yeah, you got water in the back. A little grass. You could run on the grass. And Silas was just like me. Silas was laid out somewhere on a chair playing his iPad like it's his house. I'm like, enjoy it, brother. We're going to be out of here in five minutes. The man said, make an offer, make an offer, make an offer. I said, sir, I ain't going to be honest with you. I'll embarrass you if I offer. I don't want to, you know, insult you. I, I don't think I could afford this house. He said, go ahead, make an offer. I said, well, all right, then. I just told you I can't. So we went from the backyard. He sat us down in the living room. He said, sit down. Do you like this house? You want this house? Yes. I started to sense there might be more to this. He said, make an offer. Just make an offer. So I made an offer. And I left and I said, ain't no way. How many of you know there was a situation going on with that house that that man called and said, your offer is accepted? What am I trying to tell you? You got to get up and go. 
and trust God. Start doing something. And God will bless you. And why are we talking about money? I wouldn't be a good preacher if I didn't tell you to honor God with your wealth. Not when you've paid all your bills, whatever's remaining, but off the top. And I know we got all these internet preachers nowadays who come and tell you, you know, technically tithing is law, so we don't need to tithe in the New Testament. Well, if you want to go under dispensationalism and say law and grace, under grace, you owe more than 10%. Watch how quick you run back to the old. Watch how quick you run back. For the New Testament believer, 10% should be a base, not a ceiling. Three things I'm done, I'm going to say them real quick, that I learn when I give to God. Number one, I'm learning to trust God. I'm saying to God that I realize it is him who is my source and everything else is a resource. Number two, I break the stronghold of materialism over my life. And number three, I'm honoring the Bible. In return, I'm storing up treasures in heaven because souls are being saved with the money I invest into the church that God says I will build. Don't be stingy. Give to God and watch God bless your life this year. I'm done, y'all. Those are the four things I want you to watch out for. Your relationship with God, your relationship with people, your health and your finances. Lift all four of those things up and make sure you watch them this year. And I promise you, storms are going to come. Things are happening. But God is going to keep you in the, in the, in the whole whatever's coming next in this year. Amen. He's going to keep you. He's going to protect you. He's going to bring you through. Let's all stand and pray today. Hallelujah.